Hey everybody, welcome to the Active Churches Podcast. We hope you are inspired by today's message from one of our teaching pastors here at Active Churches. We are online and we are also in person, so we'd love to have you gather with us 9 a.m. and 1045 here at our Yukaipa location or online on YouTube or Facebook. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into our message. Yeah. 
Hey, happy Easter, everybody. Welcome to Active Church. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Mike, and I'm the lead pastor, and it's such a privilege to have you a part of the story that God is writing on this Easter Sunday here at Active Church. My hope in the next few minutes is that you're inspired, you're encouraged, maybe even a bit convicted, and that you feel enough courage to go out and actually do what we talk about today. I wanna start our conversation with a question, something for you to ponder and to consider. Have you ever felt like you missed your moment? You ever felt like you missed your moment? Like you invested all of the time, the talent, the effort, the energy, and then the opportunity slipped through your fingers? It didn't go the way that you hoped it would go? You ever feel like you missed your moment? Maybe it's in a relationship or in a friendship or in a work environment. Maybe you missed it because of the choices you made or the choices that were made around you or upon you. Have you ever felt like you missed your moment? I think all of us can relate to that, right? And in those moments, we feel completely lost. We feel really overwhelmed. And we're wondering, like, how, how are we going to move forward after this? You ever feel like you missed your moment? All of those thoughts, all of those feelings, all of those emotions that you are experiencing right now because I brought it up and now you're having a bit of PTSD because you remember that or maybe you're going through that right now. All of those thoughts, all of those feelings, all of those emotions, I want you to hold for just a minute because I believe that those first followers of Jesus felt like you felt right now. They had all of the feels, all of the emotions, all of the experiences of missing their moment like we are feeling right now because that happened to them on that Good Friday when Jesus died, when Jesus was crucified. They felt like they missed their moment. They had invested all of this time. They invested all of this energy. They invested all of this love. They left everything to follow Jesus, and then in a heartbeat, everything was taken from them. Jesus was dead, they were in hiding, everyone was afraid, and they believed they missed it. They believed they got it wrong. They felt like they missed their moment. And then Sunday came. Sunday showed up, Easter Sunday showed up, and Something happened that they didn't expect or anticipate. A moment that changed all of history and changed their history. A moment that invites us to be reminded that God always gets the last word. See, our tendency is to always overthink situations and believe that whatever happened is going to be the period at the end of the sentence. But God doesn't deal with the same punctuation that we deal with. God always gets the last word. And when death tried to get the last word in the story of Jesus, God said, no, that's not how it works. And when these first disciples believed that they missed their moment, God said, no, that's not how this works. There is an invitation to be reminded that God always gets the last word. And that invitation is Easter, Easter Sunday. And it's an invitation for you and it's an invitation for me and it's an invitation for everyone. And that invitation invites you to believe based upon what you see and what you hear and what you read. That invitation invites you to trust based upon what Jesus has accomplished. That invitation is an invitation to life because there is more to life than just life after death, right? We want to know how we can be alive 
today. And Jesus brings life to you and to me. And Easter causes us to pause and to consider one of life's greatest, if not the greatest life question of all time. And it's this, who is Jesus? Easter causes us to ask that question of ourselves. And friends, it was the resurrection of Jesus Christ that caused those first disciples to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. It's what convinced them and it's what convinces me and it's what convinces active church. And by the way, we don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead just because the Bible says so. We believe it because first century scribe and tax collector named Matthew was there and he saw it and he wrote about it. First century Christian leader named Peter was there and he saw it and he wrote about it. The brother of Jesus, James, didn't believe that Jesus was who he claimed to be. In fact, he called him nuts. He called him crazy. He decided not to have a relationship with his brother. And then everything changed when Jesus resurrected from the grave for James. Paul, who was given charge to eliminate Christians, to arrest them and put them in prison and even take their lives, his life changed when he was eyeball to eyeball with the risen Savior, the risen Jesus. And they wrote about it so that you would know and so that I would know. And we collected these letters and it's the letters that we call the Bible. And they were like you and they were like me and they were like everybody. They were real humans really wanting to interact with the real God. And they were messy and they had issues and they needed help and they were broken. They had sin. They were like us. And they had moments where they believed that they missed their moments. They were very different people. And yet Easter, the invitation of Easter invited them into the story of God through the work of Jesus. Easter is for everybody because God is a God who is for everybody. No winks, no bait and switch, no fine print. God is a God who is for you and doesn't stand against you. And Easter is a reminder. It's the invitation to be reminded that this is who God is and what God does. And here's an important note. Easter and the story of Jesus is not a story worth telling unless there is a resurrection. Because if there's no resurrection, then Jesus is just another Jewish rabbi. If there's no resurrection, then Jesus is just another criminal that the Roman Empire crucified. It's the resurrection that actually convinces us that Jesus is who he says that he is. And people didn't expect or anticipate Jesus to rise. They expected him to do what all dead people do, to stay dead. And yet that Sunday, that Sunday changed everything. And Jesus wasn't killed because of what he taught. And Jesus wasn't killed because of what he did. Jesus was killed because of what he claimed about himself, that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. You know who else was convinced? You know who else was there? You know who else saw it? John. John wrote five of the New Testament letters that we have. One of them is called the Gospel of John. And in the Gospel of John, he writes about his account of what he saw and he experienced from Jesus. And he was convinced that when Jesus died, he would stay dead. And then what convinced him that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, was that he was alive three days later and John had a meal with him. He was eyeball to eyeball with the risen Savior. And today, I wanna take you to his letter and I wanna show you what he saw. 
Because what he saw is an invitation for you to be convinced that Jesus is who he says that he is. And maybe in your convincing, you will take a step towards the risen Savior. I want to show you what he saw, but more importantly, I want to take you to a moment that John experienced, that John was a part of, where somebody thought they missed their moment. And I want to show you what Jesus did for that person and how it's an announcement of what he will do for you. And so if you have the Bible with you or the Bible app near you, would you turn to John chapter 19, starting in verse 16. And as you're turning there, as you're getting there, let me set the scene for you. John had just had a meal with Jesus. It was the Passover meal. It was a meal that celebrated the freedom that the Israelites received from God as they left Egypt and crossed the Red Sea. It's a great story in the document of Exodus in the Bible. But this Passover meal was different. Jesus took the elements that used to represent the freedom of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt, and he changed the meaning of the elements. And he said, this, this bread is my body that will be broken for you, and this wine is like the blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of sins. And John was there as Jesus talked about this, and it was an extraordinary, remarkable moment. Jesus talked about his death and eventual resurrection. Jesus talked about the kingdom value that everybody would be motivated by as they enter into the kingdom of God, and it was love. And not love as you define it or as our culture defines it, but love as Jesus defines it. Love is I have loved you. He heard Jesus talk about how he was going to be betrayed and denied, and Peter and Judas were there as he talked about it. And then they got up from the meal. They finished it. They got up from the meal, and they went to a garden, and Everything that Jesus said would happen actually took place. He was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was beaten. And then eventually he was taken to Pilate, the man in charge of that region. And Pilate brings a very bruised and beaten Jesus in front of the Jewish people. And he asks the Jewish people what he should do with them. And they shouted out, crucify him, put him on a cross. And John tells us in his letter that the soldiers took charge of Jesus and Jesus carried his own cross and he went out to the place of the skull. Golgotha was the place where they would crucify all criminals so that the people in that region would know that Rome was in charge and they better not cross them. The smell of death was in the air. And John tells us that here on this hill, they crucified him. John gives us a record of what happened, and I have to believe that as John is sharing this, he's just sharing every detail, he's sharing every moment, he's sharing every eyewitness account because he wants you to know, and he wants me to know. He wants us to believe in Jesus. And so he's just unloading his heart, he's unloading his mind, he wants people to know what happened, and he shares a detail that would actually feel a bit unnecessary unless it was true. John tells us about this moment as he is at the foot of the cross with Jesus' mom, Mary. And Jesus looks down and he says, mother, behold your son and son, behold your mother. In other words, he asks John, hey, would you take care of my mom for the rest of your life? It's a detail that John puts in there because he was there because it was true. He saw it. And then he records the three most powerful words in all of scripture. In John chapter 19, verse 30, he records Jesus saying these words from the cross. It is finished. And those words carry so much weight. Those words are so remarkable. It wasn't just about Jesus taking his last, his last breath. It was about Jesus actually accomplishing something that you and I could never accomplish for ourselves, setting ourselves free from sin, forgiving our souls, cleansing our hearts of the way that we have violated God by violating 
his people. And then John does something so unusual. Because again, he's just sharing his heart. He's sharing the details. These are words that as you read through, you might skip by. But John, in this moment, it's as if he pauses and he stops and he reflects and he pulls himself out of the story so that he could speak to you. Not the first audience, but to you and to me. And he writes these words. The man who saw it, talking about himself, he said, the man who saw all of this that I've just told you about has given testimony and this testimony is true. And then it's as if he grabs our face, puts our cheeks in his hands, and he says, he knows, again, talking about himself, he knows that he tells the truth and he testifies, listen to these words, so that you may also believe. Like John has a purpose in writing this letter. He wants you to believe what he saw. And you read it and you heard it. You're not asked to believe based upon just belief itself. You're not asked to have faith based upon faith that's not based in anything. John says, I want you to believe because I saw it. I wrote it down. You read it. You hear it. Believe in it. Know that God did this for you. And not just for you, but everyone around you. God is the author of life, the giver of life. And he gave of his life so that you may have freedom and forgiveness. So that you may have life. And that is so important for us today, isn't it? See, often religious people, Christian people, can get so focused on life after death, right? Which is really important. But the thing that we always skip by, the thing that we don't prioritize that we should, is life before death. Because most people are asking this question, is it possible to be alive right now before I actually have life after death? And Jesus came to bring us life in this moment right now. And this is why John wrote what he wrote. In fact, he continues and he said, all of that leads to this. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. And he tells us that this guy was a follower of Jesus, but he followed in secret because he was afraid of what the Jewish people would say. And then Nicodemus gets introduced and Nicodemus was somebody that Jesus spoke with late at night. It's actually in John chapter three. And they talk about that famous verse, John three sixteen. It's the words that Jesus shares with Nicodemus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. life today and life after today and life after this life. And Nicodemus was there and it says that he brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. And the reason why that's so important is because John saw it. And he wants you to know that these men didn't expect Jesus to resurrect from the grave. These men expected Jesus to stay dead. And so they took the body of Jesus, the two of them, they wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. They were at a place where Jesus was crucified and at that place was a garden. And in the garden was a new tomb and nobody had been laid in that. And so because this was the Jewish day of preparation, it was the Passover, a very important, special day. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. They sealed the tomb. The Roman soldiers sealed the tomb. They put the Roman seal on the tomb to affirm that there was a body inside. Again, all this detail is because John was there and he saw it. And I don't know what went through John's mind, but I have to believe that he believed that he missed his moment, that he wasted three years of his life because Jesus was, Jesus was dead. You ever been there? Maybe as I asked that question, have you ever felt like you missed your moment? Maybe you immediately answered with, yeah, it was this moment where you, you invested time and passion and effort and love and energy. And then it was gone. The relationship was over. The friendship ended. The job was lost. The opportunity slipped through your hands and you felt like you wasted all of the time 
that you invested to build to that moment. And if you're like me, and I believe that you are, if you're like me, I think a lot of us, we just internalize everything. We personalize everything. Maybe outwardly we sound like we're okay, but inwardly we're struggling in our hearts and our minds. And we start to think that maybe I missed my moment because this is a consequence of my past. Maybe God is holding me accountable or he's mad at me or he doesn't want me to have good things. Maybe you begin to think about like, maybe this is God's private consequence for my public decisions and choices. Maybe God is just frustrated with me or maybe he's just not going to allow me to step into this. And we begin to think that we've been moved away from God. We feel unloved and unlovable. And we wonder, like, how long is this going to last? And we consider like, is there an invitation out of all of this? Because wouldn't it, wouldn't it be helpful? Isn't it true that we're all looking for a way out of this hopeless and helpless moment? And I think those first disciples felt that same way. And then early Sunday morning comes. And they get a knock at the door and it's Mary Magdalene who was one of the followers of Jesus. And she says to the group, she says, hey, we went to the tomb to put spices on the body to to keep it fresh and to keep it from decaying. It was a part of the Jewish burial custom. And she says to the disciples, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. She assumed what we would all assume, that Jesus died and he would stay dead. Listen, nobody expected no body on that first Easter. Nobody expected no body. And yet when she showed up, there was no body in the tomb. And she thought maybe somebody had taken him. And so John felt the urgency in this moment. And what he says next, again, you can just feel John pouring out his heart on the pages of this letter, of this story. He says, so Peter and the other disciple, talking again about himself, started for the tomb. And here you can just see the details. You can hear him just saying this out loud as he's writing. He said, both were running, but the other disciple, John himself, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Like, this is just his honest testimony. Like, I was faster than Peter. That's just what happened that day. And I'm telling you all of the details because I want you to know what I saw and what I experienced. And then he says, I bent over and I looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but I didn't go in. Like, John was afraid to enter the tomb, which I think all of us would be afraid. That seems a bit creepy and a bit weird, right? But this is really important. John doesn't paint himself as a hero, And most of the writers of the scriptures, including the gospel writers, they don't paint themselves as heroes. And and this is why that's so remarkable. This helps us to know that these are true and reliable. And here's why. Scholars, when they look back at ancient letters, biblical letters and non-biblical letters, they have a lot of qualifiers that would help them to know that these things were real, these things were true. And one of those qualifiers was the criterion of embarrassment. See, in this time, most of the letters that were written, the person who was writing it would actually make themselves the hero. If you look at a lot of of the ancient Roman writings, they paint the leaders as heroes. Julius Caesar was called the son of the living God because they painted him as a hero. One, because they probably would be killed if they didn't. But two, they were trying to make him look good. And they believed that what they were writing about was actually false because they painted these writers as heroes. But in the scriptures, what you find is that they actually write very embarrassing accounts of themselves. And that actually helps them to be more factual because it's very different than the letters during that time. It's called the criterion of embarrassment. John doesn't paint himself as the hero. John's just being honest about what happened. And he says, I didn't go in. But then Simon Peter shows up, who was behind John. He wants you to know that detail. He arrived at the tomb and he went into the tomb. And he saw strips of linen lying there. 
as well as a burial cloth that had been around the head of Jesus. The cloth was folded up and it was separate from the linen. Don't miss that. The cloth was folded up and separate from the linen, which immediately caused John and caused Peter to go, wait a second, time out. If this was a rush job, if somebody came to steal the body, why would they take time to fold everything? And that's the moment where things began to change for them. Like, wait a second, why is this neat and tidy? If they came in to steal the body, why would they unwrap the dead body? And then why would they fold it? Like it was in that moment that John began to have some deeper questions about what happened. He writes that finally I walked into the tomb and, and I, I saw what was inside and I, I started to believe that maybe something extraordinary took place. And then John says just a couple hours later, Jesus actually appears to the disciples in the flesh, real not a hallucination. They weren't all high. They weren't drunk. They weren't on drugs. Jesus was there. He ate with them. They had a conversation. And it was in that moment that John said, that's when I believed because Jesus has defeated death. And if he's defeated death, that means he is the son of God. And that everything that Jesus taught us was true. Everything that Jesus said was true. Everything that he helped us understand about God was true that Jesus is Lord, that he is God, that he's not crazy, and he is for everybody. And then the moment, the moment comes where we can relate to, a moment where somebody felt like they missed their moment. See, John says that Jesus appeared to some of the disciples, but there was one that wasn't there. And I want you to see this because this is so important for you. What, what, what happens in this moment, what John writes about is remarkable. What Jesus does for this one disciple, I'm convinced he wants to do for you. And it's how God feels about you. It's how God moves in your life. John tells us that Thomas, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. And so when the other disciples told Thomas that we have seen the Lord, he responded like I think all of us would respond. He was like, no, nope. <laughs> it's not true. Didn't happen. I got to see it. His words were this, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger in the nails in the, in the hands and in the side where the sword went in the side, I want to I wanna see the wounds. I want to see all of it. I want to know that it's him. And until I'm able to do that, I will not believe. He says, I'm not going to have blind faith. I'm not just going to take this on belief. I need to see it. And here's the thing about Jesus. Here's the thing about your faith and my faith is that Jesus doesn't invite you to just believe. He invites you to see it, to read it, to hear it, and then make a decision because Jesus isn't all about blind faith, isn't all about you trusting without evidence. Jesus accomplished something and then he invites you to trust in what he accomplished. That's why these men and women wrote down what they wrote so that you and I would know so that we could read it and we can hear it and we can believe in it. And so John tells us that a week later, a whole week goes by. All of the disciples had seen Jesus except for Thomas. And so you know how left out he must have felt. You know he must have thought to himself, I missed my moment. So he's frustrated and he's angry. Everybody else is excited because Jesus is alive. And he's like in the corner going, nope, nope. I don't believe it until I see it. And John tells us a week later while they're in the house, Thomas was with them and the doors were locked. And then listen to these words. And even though they were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them and said, peace to you. And then... This is the most beautiful part of the story. 
Then Jesus looking into Thomas's eyes, like Jesus shows up, says peace to you, everybody. And they're all like, what's up, Jesus, it's you. And then you know all of their attention turned to Thomas. And what John tells us is that Jesus is so close to Thomas that he's eyeball to eyeball with him. Jesus comes up to him and doesn't, doesn't get mad at him for not believing, doesn't get angry because he had doubts. Jesus comes up to him and says, Thomas, fill my hands and put your hand in my side. He says, Thomas, don't give in to your doubts any longer. Choose to believe. Like, don't live unbelieving. Choose to believe because right in front of you is the evidence as to why you should believe. And then John says these words, which are beautiful. John says, then the words spilled out of Thomas's heart. He looks at Jesus and he says, you are my Lord. You are my God. Because Jesus did something remarkable for him. Thomas felt like he missed his moment. Thomas felt like he lost the opportunity. Thomas felt like he wasted his life. And Jesus came eyeball to eyeball with him and said, you didn't. Stop believing that that has the last word and start believing that God gets the last word. Like God is the type of God that will walk through walls for you because he did for Thomas. God is the type of God that will meet you right where you're at because that's what he did for Thomas. And God is the type of God that will meet you right where you're at and then refuse to leave you that way, but to bring you hope, to bring you love, to bring you grace, and to build a better future, to tell a better story. This is what we learn in that moment with Thomas, and this is what we learn on that first Easter Sunday. And then Jesus says something really, really incredible. It's, it's as if he knows that you're going to be reading and I'm going to be reading. He, he says to Thomas, hey, you have seen me and you believe, but there are those who have never seen me with their eyes and yet believe in me with their hearts and they will be blessed even more. Like you and I haven't seen it like John saw it, but John wrote it down so that we could read about it and we could hear it. That was the goal of this letter, by the way. John says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, and by believing you may have life in his name. John says, I saw it, I was there, and I want you to know, respond like I respond. Be convinced like I was convinced. And by the way, when you feel like you've missed your moment, God's gonna walk through walls for you. God's going to meet you right where you're at. And God's not going to leave you there, but he's going to fill your heart with hope and help you to see your future. My friends, Easter is an invitation to believe. Believe based upon what was seen, what you read, and what you heard. Easter is an invitation for you. Easter is an invitation for everybody around you. If you're struggling with the direction of your life, you're struggling with which way to go. Hear the words of Jesus who rose from the grave and defeated death. Hear the words of Jesus say to you, I am the way. If you're struggling with what to believe, like you're not a fan of religion, you're not a fan of spirituality, you're struggling with what to believe, listen to the words of Jesus as he says, I am the truth. And if you don't think that you can make it one more day in your life, Hear the words of Jesus as he says, I am the life. Accept the invitation that Easter offers to you.
to believe, to trust, and to have life. My friends, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and not even death can hold him down. And when you find yourself placing your life, your faith, and your trust in Jesus, then death cannot defeat you. Jesus gives you life before your death, and Jesus will give you life after your death. Jesus will help you to come alive and to be set free from sin and to be rescued from the ways that we try to crush and defeat ourselves. Jesus is going to walk through walls for you, my friend. He's going to meet you right where you're at, and he's not going to leave you there, but he's going to fill your heart with hope. And that's why I want to invite you to trust in Jesus today. As you're watching, as you're listening, would you pray along with me just these simple words? Jesus, because of what John saw, because of what I've read, and because of what I've heard about you, I choose to believe in you. Jesus, because of what John saw, because of what I've read, because of what I've heard about you, I choose to believe in you. It's not everything that you need to say to Jesus, but it is the first thing that you say. I want to invite you to pray that on this Easter Sunday. What a day to make that decision. I also want to invite you to consider something. I want to invite you to consider getting baptized. If you're local, you're near the Active Church Ukaipa location, and you're watching this on Easter Sunday or listening to this on Easter Sunday, I want to invite you to come to our campus to get baptized. All safety protocols are in place. We have a change of clothes for you, and we would love to celebrate that life change today. And if that's you, would you leave a comment or send us a direct message? We want to set you up to win today so that you can step into your moment because of the moment that Jesus announced on Easter Sunday that he is alive and that your death and my death is defeated. If you're watching this later or you're not in the area, would you send a comment? Would you send us a message? And would you let us know if you're interested in getting baptized? Because we would love to connect with you and we'll make it happen over FaceTime or over Zoom or over a phone call. But we want you to know that we got your back and we're supporting you as you make a decision to trust in Jesus, to go public, to announce that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. My friend, today is your day. And now is your moment. You haven't missed your moment because Jesus, Jesus has authority over every moment because Jesus is resurrected from the grave. And we say, hallelujah, because Jesus is alive. Let me pray for you. And so Heavenly Father, on this Easter, this Easter Sunday, may we choose to believe in you, to trust in you, to have faith in you because of what was seen, because of what we read, because of what we heard, because you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come to rescue and save, to seek and to save those of us that have been lost. Today, we put our trust and our faith in you. Jesus, we believe in you because of what you've done for us and because of who you are. In your name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope you were inspired. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. 
Hey, I wanna ask you to do two things. First thing, hit that subscribe button to stay connected to the Active Churches podcast. The second thing I wanna invite you to do is go onto your social media accounts, Instagram and Facebook, and go to at Active Churches. Stay connected to the community because together we can tell a better story.